0: Well, we're continuing a series of messages on living to make a difference, and I'd like to jump right in in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, for God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want those things which please him and to work for them. So God's at work in who? In you. We tend to think, well, God's doing something in somebody else, but the Bible says he's doing something in in you, he's working in you, and he puts in your heart what he wants you to do. Think about that. You know, sometimes we think, well, I just gotta crucify the flesh, crucify the flesh, and you're right, you're crucified the flesh. But, in fact, it says this in in Psalms 119, it says that my soul clings to the dirt. My soul clings to the dirt. In other words, your natural mind will want to do a bunch of junk, all right? Your your soul, your your natural mind may want to go backwards, but God's working on the inside of you in your spirit, right? And he's putting desires inside your spirit. So yes, we crucify the flesh, but so often what we tend to do is we tend to think we got to crucify what God is putting on the inside of us, and that is not true, all right? Now the Bible says this, Acts 7, verse 23, it says, when Moses was a full 40 years old, it came into the heart of Moses to visit the children of Israel. Now he's living as Pharaoh's daughter. He's living as an Egyptian, but it comes into his heart. Know who put it there? God put it there. God put that desire inside of Moses. And, and I'm, I'm telling you that God is putting desires inside of you. Some of you, it may be a desire to step out and start your own business. It might be a desire to get involved in ministering to people on the street, or or be involved in youth ministry or children's ministry, or or to visit your neighbor and bring them apple pie and and share the gospel with them. But God puts desires on the inside of us, right? Now it's not that, that there's this obligation, you've got to do something. No, God puts a desire on the inside of you. He inspires you to want what pleases Him, right? Uh, We we can call this that that place where we're living a transcendent life, where we're living beyond ourselves. Jesus called it the high life, He called it the abundant life. In Ephesians, it's called the good life that He prearranged and made ready for you to live. Living beyond the range of normal human experience. Because if you just follow normal human experience, it's gonna be about me, myself, and I, right? But what God's gonna do, he's gonna have you living an exceptional life, and it's gonna be beyond yourself. In, in Ephesians two, verse, excuse me, three, verse 20, it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in us. I want you to think about this. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That same spirit. And he said that same power is going to be is at work in us so that not of ourselves, but through that power, through him, we can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can even ask or think. God's calling us to live a life of purpose, beyond ourselves, beyond our limits, to make an impact, to live the life you were created to live, to live the best life. And again, some are afraid, well if I surrender to God, my life is gonna be dull, it's gonna be boring, it's gonna be unfulfilling. But the truth is, you'll be doing what you were created to do. You'll be living a life that makes a difference. The bottom line is this, that this is not just a dress rehearsal, right? Eventually, in a moment in time, you and I are gonna stand before God. Every one of us, we're gonna stand before God. And he's gonna look at us, and some of us, he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. To others, he'll say, well, you're done. <laughs> did, 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 did your life make a difference? Right. Did your life have impact? Right. God wants your life. He has designed your life to make a difference. You know, we should be praying about it, planning. We should be talking about it, meditating about it. All right. In, in uh, the book of Proverbs, it says that wisdom is crying out. It says, are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on? Come to me, oh come, have dinner with me. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. You know, a lot of us, we're living our life and we think, what is the purpose of my life? God's saying, I, there is a purpose for your life. There is a destiny for your life. You are to make a difference in this world, right? Our default mode is to just simply think about ourselves. But Jesus said it this way. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to Serve. I came to serve and and it's counterintuitive, but it's when we're giving our life and we're serving that our life is fulfilled, right? God said this about Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. It's true about Jeremiah, but it's true about you. Before you were even born, God had set you apart to do things in and for the kingdom of God, live to make a difference, right? In Acts 17, I want you to listen, and then we're going to kind of unpack this just a second. He said, he made from one blood every nation of men who dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Now notice it says that he has determined their pre-appointed times, the boundaries of their dwellings. It's talking specifically right here about nations but it's also true when it comes to an individual, that God has a set plan and purpose for your life. In the Psalms 139, David is writing, he said, "'And in your book they were all written, "'the days fashioned for me, "'when as yet there were none of them.'" So, So he's looking and he's saying, "'God, you formed me in the womb, "'and while I was still in the womb, You fashioned me and you had plans for my life. Every day, you fashioned it. You had something for me to do. You had a purpose for my life, right? You know, when you're living with purpose, problems literally are nothing but distractions when you're living a life of purpose. Paul is in prison and he has been in prison, for some time and he writes, And he's not concerned about himself. Look, this is what he says. He says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Being in prison for Paul is just a distraction. He says, look, I'm after God. I want to fulfill God's purpose in my life. I want to get to know him. I just don't want to know the acts of God. I want to know the ways of God. He's obsessed. We need to serve others selflessly. In 1 Timothy 6, It says, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. God wants us living a life that makes a difference. And notice it says here that they may lay up for themselves or storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. It's saying, God's looking at what we're doing now. Jesus said, you cannot give so much as a cup of water in his name and lose your reward. Now, when you're doing this, it blesses people today, right? It points them towards God, but he's saying you're gonna be rewarded in heaven. In Psalms 112, it says, the good person is generous, lends lavishly, no shuffling or stumbling around for this one, but a sterling and solid and lasting reputation unfazed by rumors and gossip, heart ready, trusting in God, spirit firm, unperturbed, ever blessed, relaxed among enemies. They lavish gifts on the poor, a generosity that goes on and on and on a honored life, a beautiful life, a honored life, a beautiful life. That's the life that God has for every one of us an honored life, a beautiful life, right? Now we need to remember it's what's done for the kingdom that will last. Jesus said, if you give that cup of water in my name, he said, you will not lose your reward. Unfortunately, there's, there's, even in the church, there's, there's this real push towards social justice. But let me just say this, a full belly with an empty heart a person still ends up in hell. We need to connect our good deeds to the good news. Social justice without spiritual justice is not justice at all. Social justice without spiritual justice is not justice at all. Jesus said, don't work for the food that spoils. Don't work for the food that spoils. He's saying, don't do your good deeds without the gospel. Don't do your good deeds unless it's in the name of the Lord. Now, uh, we are to live an intentional life, not a reactionary life, but an intentional life. So the Bible says this, Romans 12, verse two. And, And really, once you're saved in the kingdom, this is like the key verse for every believer. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. saying, don't be like the world. You're in it, but you're not to be like it, right? In your behavior, but in your motives, in your values. But let God transform you into a new person. Let God transform you into a new person. You know, the, the, the Greek word that's used there that's transformed is where we get our word metamorphosis, where a caterpillar makes a cocoon and comes out a butterfly. Now, the Bible is saying that what God wants to do to you when you come to Christ is he wants to transform your life in such a way it's like you were a caterpillar before and you come out a butterfly. Now, into a new person, but listen, by changing the way you think, your morals, your values, God's going to change it all. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Together, the church is supposed to reach out around the world. Your life is supposed to make a difference. Now, I want to talk to you in just a minute about David's life, about how it's summed up. Uh, how many of you have ever thought about what you'd like to have written on your tombstone? A few of you. That's good. You know, most people never think about life after life, but it's there. So I've got a few tombstones for you. The first one, guy said, too bad I died. I agree with that. This one, I love this next one. Does this tombstone make me look fat? <laughs> Text me at 55grave. I like this one too. At least I don't have to go to any more meetings. This one made me laugh. He loved bacon and his wife and kids too. (laughs) That's a good one. I have nothing further to say. (laughs) This one's great. Let me out now. (laughs) The shell is here, but the nut is gone. (laughs) That's good. That's good. You know, and they they make us laugh, but but honestly, you know, if we were going to sum up your life, we, we, we hope there would be something significant. I love this one. This one's on for King David. After he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep and was buried. After he had served his generation by the will of God, a life of purpose, a life that was transcendent, a life that didn't just make a difference while he was alive. It touched people while he was alive, but it went way beyond. Right? Yeah, we're going to live this life, then we're going to go to heaven, right? But your life now, it's supposed to make a difference. For the glory of God, it's supposed to make a difference. And again, when you surrender to God, to God's will, he's not going to send you to the North Pole. You're going to be the most fulfilled person. Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, born from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used, for good works. You know, if if God had no purpose for you, once you were saved, the best thing we could do is baptize you and leave you under. (laughs) Let you go home right now, that way you can't mess up. But the truth is God has a purpose, all right? To be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set or prepared that we should walk in them living the good life. Living the what? The good life. He prearranged and made ready for us. You know, you'll be blessing others, helping others, encouraging others, making a difference. But it's in your life. It's in your life. You'll be living the good life. Jesus said this. He said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, Now, Jesus was brought up in Nazareth from the time he was probably around Five years old until the time he was 30. He lived in Nazareth. Uh, We're going to be there in just a few weeks. And uh, Nazareth is on a a hill, but then there's a little valley and then there's a big hill. And on top of that hill was the city of Sepphoris. Uh, You can go today and and see the ruins. it's, It's absolutely amazing uh, the last time we were there, I mean, there, there, there's just artifacts everywhere. Jeannie just sat down. I mean, you can't find a piece of ground a foot square without a piece of pottery sticking out of it. Right? And, uh, she just sat down and in just a couple of minutes, she was putting together a, an ancient vase, you know, right, right in front of us right now when, when Jesus was growing up, when he would walk outside at night, this was the capital of the re- the Roman capital of the region. Right? And when he would go out at night, it was, there, there were thousands of people there. In fact, the, uh, the stadium would seat up to 30,000 people in Sepphoris. Right? And when Jesus would get up at night, the light of that city would just be there. He said, you can't hide that city. He said, when he's talking about a city set on a hill, he was talking about the city of Sepphoris that every time he'd go out at night, he would see it. He said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to those who are in the house, so let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says you don't take the lamp and put it under a bushel. Now, in the ancient world, in fact, if, if you go anywhere, Europe, particularly in the Middle East, uh, probably the most common artifact that you will find will be a lamp, right? Because every home had not one or two or three, they had several, right? Because you'd light your home with this lamp, right? And so every room had to have not just one, but two, three, four, even five of these lamps. So in a typical house, there might be 20, 25 lamps. And so when they're excavating, they find them all over, all right? Now, I've got one here. This is a little smaller than your normal lamp that you'd find, Uh, clay. Inside, you put oil, small wick sticking out. Now, I hope this works. We have not tried this, all right? All right? Now, what Jesus said, he said, that you're that light. He said, you're that lamp. He said, now, don't put it under a bushel. What they would do is they would put that lamp in the highest place that they could in the house because then it would shine the farthest. Here we go. Is this working? It worked. All right, guys, hit the lights. All the lights. All the way down, if you can. You know, the, the, the darker it is, the more the light shines. The easier that light is to see. Now the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but arise and shine for the light, the glory of God is shining upon you. And the darker it is wherever you are, the lighter you shine, when you shine for Jesus, when you live that life, when you become that new person, when you're not like the world, but you're different, because God wants us transformed, guys. You can turn that. Oh, things catching on fire. I wish they would all tithe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't plan that; just came out. <laughs> Freudian slip. Sorry about that. (laughs) Jabez, some of you remember the prayer of Jabez in the Old Testament. Prayer, I pray regularly. He said, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my influence. You know, Jesus said, what you're to do, just like that person would take that lamp and put it up someplace so it would light a large area, He said, you let your light so shine, let it shine that people see your good works and they glorify your father who's in heaven. You know, when you're living that abundant life, the good life he prearranged and made ready for you to live, you're going to be the most fulfilled. You're going to be the happiest. You're going to be helping and blessing and encouraging others, but it just comes back into your life. Right? This is the place where you're happy, fulfilled, blessed, enjoying life, enjoying the journey, enjoying what the, 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 the place that God has for you because it's what he created you in me to do. Right? Think about Job. Job is, is, has this demonic attack on his life and he's just all into himself and what's going on in his life. But in the end, the Bible says that he prays for his friends, and when he prays for his friends, and by his friends they are the people who have been attacking him and accusing him of about every wrong thing that a person can possibly do. How many of you know when you have friends like that, you don't even need a devil. Right? They were like the accuser of the the accuser of Job. All right, but when he turned. And he began to be concerned about them. He prayed for them. The Bible says then God turned his captivity. You know, I want that life for you where you're living with purpose, right? And and my purpose this week is to, to, to motivate you, right, to live that life that God has called you to live, that faith life. You know, we have several police officers here in church. I've talked to several of them and, 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 and they've mentioned, you know, well, we've, we did a drug bust and, and there, there, there's basically, there's like two things that can happen. All right. Somebody gets pulled over and they've got just a, a little bit of drugs. Right. And they get arrested for possession. All right. And that, that's not good. Don't get me wrong. All right. But then they arrest, they, 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 they find somebody, they arrest them and they've got a lots of drugs. Right and they get arrested for possession with intent to distribute. Now, some of you Christians, hello, if you were to get arrested for being a Christian, maybe you'd get accused of possession. But what God wants is he wants you to have possession with intent to distribute. <laughs> he wants he doesn't want you just thinking about yourself. All right? He wants you to have so much that you're going to let your light so shine before men that they glorify your Father who is in heaven. All right? So this week you work on that. All right? You want to be arrested. You want to be accused of having Christianity not just for yourself, not just possession, but possession with intent to distribute. You let your light shine. All right? Hebrews 11. Let me close with this. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to his reward. Now, Moses had everything the world system could offer, he was living as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He's living in the house of the king. Anything the world had to offer, wealth, influence, he had it. He had it in spades. Anything the world could offer, possessions, sex, anything, it was there. But he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, anybody who told you that sin was not fun, did not do it right. (laughs) They didn't do it right, all right? Because it's fun. The Bible says there's pleasure. It's passing, it's short, it's short. But Moses, he saw everything the world had to offer. And like a wise person, he thought, here's what the world has to offer. And here's what God has to offer. What God has to offer, it will fulfill me today because all the stuff in the world has to offer, it's passing, it's fleeting. He said, but it's going to fulfill me today and not just today because somehow he understood that there will be a moment in time when he would stand before God. And God would say, what did you do with your life? What did you do with it? You are going to stand before God at some moment in time. And I'm assuming that you're a Christian. He's not gonna ask you the first question of what did you do with my son, Jesus? Because you'll already know that. You've answered that. But he'll ask you, what did you do with your life for my kingdom? And based on that answer, you're gonna receive your reward. And Moses looked ahead and he had an eternal perspective. He realized this life, it is temporary, right? And, 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 and the older I get, the more I realize how true that is. People used to say time goes faster. Right now, one year goes by as fast as a month did when I was 20. It just keeps going faster and faster and faster. And you realize how fleeting it all is. Right? He looked and he said, I'd rather suffer. I'd rather be belittled, I'd rather be looked down on, I'd rather be considered second-rate, I'd rather be out of touch with culture and society, but I'm going to fulfill my purpose. I'm going to bless others, I'm going to help see them delivered, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to lay down my life, I'm going to lead others the way God wants to go because he was looking to his reward. You might be mocked. You might be looked down on by society, but if you decide to do what Moses did and live by faith and live with an eternal perspective, you will never, never regret it. The Bible says today you'll live the abundant life, the high life, the good life he prearranged and made ready for you. And that day when you stand before God someday in that moment of time, when you stand there and give an account for what you have done as a Christian, to receive your rewards for what you've done as a Christian, you, you don't want to be ashamed. Paul said, don't let anyone else take your, take your crown, take your reward. Don't, don't do it. Be, be eternally minded today and f- plug into what God has for you today. Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. You were called not to be served, but to serve. You and I have been called not to live our life for ourselves, but to live our life for the glory of God. And again, he's going to put that desire on the inside of you, just like he did for Moses. And when you follow it, you're going to live the good life He prearranged and made ready for you to live. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? If you're here today, but you're not where you should be with God, you've drifted away. You're not right with God. This is your day to come back. This is your day to get right. This is your day to have Jesus come in and give you that that abundant life that he prearranged and made ready for you. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That means that all my efforts could never make me right with God, and all of your efforts could never make you right with God. There's one way, and that's Jesus. Through Jesus. He died for you. He paid for your sin. He said, you must be born again. That means give him all your heart and all of your life. And if you're here today and you haven't given him all your heart and all your life, you still have it. And he's not a thief to steal it, a manipulator to trick you into giving it. Now you have it, but you need to give him your life. And you might think, well, I know about God. We all do. You celebrated Christmas, you celebrated Easter, but salvation is not about your head, what you know. Salvation is about your heart. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus. So in just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. When I say three, if you're not where you should be with God and you need to get right today, You're going to lift your hand. We're going to pray and God's going to meet you right here in this place. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. You're going to begin to walk in that abundant life that he has for you. As you lift your hand, the first thing you're saying is, God, I know I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I'm coming to Jesus to be forgiven and to be saved. One, as you lift your hand, you're saying, today I'm giving Jesus all of my heart, all of my life. I'm holding nothing back Two, get ready. As you lift your hand, you're saying today, Jesus is going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. My past is going to be gone. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family on my way to heaven. Three, lift your hand, lift it up. Pray with me. I see that hand, that hand and that hand and that hand. Are there others? Include me, pastor. Thank you. God bless you in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? All right. Would everybody please stand? Now, if you lifted your hand, I want you to look right at me. All right. I want you to move to the aisle that's nearest you, wherever that is. Bring the person that you came with. Bring your coat. If you're in the balcony, please make your way down. We will wait for you if you come on down. But come down. We're going to pray. God is going to meet you right here in this place. When we say amen, your past, it's going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be on your way to heaven. Come on. Come on the balcony. Please make your way. We'll wait as you're coming down. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Now Romans 10 verse 13. This is what it says. It says, whosoever that means you, right? This is going to work for you. We'll call on the name of the Lord. We're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to, And this is God's promise to you, we'll be saved. When you say, when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. Past is going to be gone. It's going to make you new on the inside. Thank you for making it all the way from the balcony. All right, everybody, would you take one hand and place it over your heart? Lift your other hand towards heaven, and let's pray with everyone that has lifted their hand to receive the Lord. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm gonna live for him every day. And I thank you that you've heard my prayer, I thank you my prayer. That, I'm forgiven. that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. Past is gone. You, make you make me a new person on the inside. I'm a part of your family, of your family. today, today. And, forever. and forever. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen.